كما يعلم أي طفل عربي مذنب أبو رجل مسلوخة سيأتي ليأخذك بعيد. As any Arab child guilty of the occasional indiscretion knows, because their mothers are so insistent on threatening them, if you misbehave one too many times, Abu Rijl Maslucha, or the flayed leg man, might come to take you away. What is less well known is who exactly Abu Rijl Maslucha is, how he came to be, and what he is doing with all the disrespectful and disobedient children he has snatched up over the years. So this is the story of the truth, as we have come to know it. And like all truths, this first came to us through a story. Once, long ago, there was a young boy who lived with his family at the edge of the village. The boy's father tended to the herd through the long days, and he had many older siblings who helped both his parents with the chores of the household. So naturally, he had time to fool around and be reckless. This made his siblings and mother very cross. And one day, after he had been particularly wicked to his older sister, having convinced a younger sibling to strike her with a rock as a joke, his mother at last had enough. إذا استمريت على ذلك سيأتي أبو رجل مسلوخة ليأخذك بعيدا. Keep this up and Abu Rijl Maslucha will come take you away, she cried out to him. This name was unfamiliar to the boy, who had known all the old men of the village and knew just how to avoid their scolding gazes and threats of beatings. So even though he was in the middle of running from his angry mother and crying sister, he stopped to ask who she was talking about. يقال أن هناك رجل مجنون في البرية بساق واحدة مسلوخة ومحترقة يخطف الأطفال الصغار السيئين حتى يستخدم جلدهم لتغطية آلامه. The people say there is a crazed man in the wilderness with one burnt-up flayed leg, snatching up bad little children so he can find the perfect skin to cover his pain, said his mother as if it were an obvious thing he should have known. Again, the boy had never heard of this man before, but disliked admitting he was ignorant. From a safe distance from his mother, who was still angry about his latest joke, he asked, Uh, نعم. Uh, من أين كان أبو رجل مسلوخة? Ah, uh, yes. Where was it that Abu Rijl Maslucha came from again? His mother, whose attention seemed to be turned mostly away from her bad son to her injured daughter, brushed the question off, replying, من يعلم من أين تأتي هذه الأشياء؟ أنا أرجح الأنقاد. هناك أشياء شيطانية مدفونة كثيرة. Who knows where these things come from? Most likely the ruins. Devilish things are still buried there. This the boy knew was true. He had visited the ruins many times against his parents' wishes, often dragging a sibling that he could scare by throwing his voice out amongst the rocks. Even though the young ones were babies for crying so easily, he could not be certain that there weren't other bad things out in the ruins besides him. I'm not afraid, said the boy. إذا كانت رجله محترقة وجلده مسلوخ فلا يمكن من الجري بسرعة مثلي. If his leg is so burnt and his skin is flayed, then he can't run as fast as me. And the wisdom of his argument made him feel slightly more brave. Turning away, his mother said, I have warned you, and now it's in God's hands. Several nights later, the boy had been up to another round of mischief, so he thought it best to sleep among the stars that night, as was his habit when the nights were warm enough and his mother had too much of his spirit. He would hunt night birds with his father often enough, knew how to make a fire and where to stay safe, 
and on this night the moon was full and there was enough light to see for miles. So the boy set out and made camp not too far away from home. As the small fire he made burned low and cast long shadows, the boy sat up thinking about his mother's vague and mysterious warning. He knew that in the old days, in the days when the ruins weren't ruins at all, the people did terrible things to each other. His father would say the people of that time didn't fear God, and because of that, the people that made the high walls and pillars of the ruins made sure that everyone would fear them. If you were caught stealing, they would chop off your arm, his father would say, even if you were just stealing a crust of bread or your sister's favorite comb. Once, he and an older brother, who treated him like a child, first explored the ruins on a trip to see his father in the fields. The brother had showed him the huge caverns that he said served as prisons for their criminals, a place where liars and idlers were locked away until they starved to death. His brother had said that might be him one day. And then there were the men who hunted, no, poached, game that was not their own, who would be skinned alive, their hides mounted on the very walls that made up the ruins today. Maybe Aboriginal Maslucha was one of those poachers from long ago, skinned, but just not all the way. But that didn't really make sense, did it? That was so long ago, and a man couldn't live that long with such an injury, could he? Besides, what good would a little boy's leg be to replace the skin of a grown man? When the boy heard his father's mishwiz playing in the cool distance, he was not surprised at first. His father would often play to soothe his children in the herd itself, and on a night like this, he could see why the family might be up later than normal. But there was something strange that tugged at the boy's mind as he half-listened, obsessed with the stories of the people of the ruins. One, that the music was more shrill and off-note than his father had ever played. And two, that it wasn't coming from his home, but from the other direction. The sound was definitely coming from the ruins that the boy now felt he was a little too near for comfort. It was somehow both haunting and unsettling, yet almost blended in with the desert breeze. As the music rose, the boy could see the light of a dim campfire not unlike his own, flickering between the stones and crumbled pillars in the distance. Now any good child would know to come home as soon as they saw any such thing. So of course the boy went to see who was playing tricks out in the wilderness. The boy had made up his mind about what was really happening. He couldn't imagine that his father would be out in the ruins at that time of night, nor could he imagine his father's playing be so harsh. Perhaps it was his older brother, clumsily laying a trap to scare him, with an equally clumsily played song. If the boy caught his brother in the act, he can prove to his parents that he wasn't the black sheep, and that all children, given enough time and enough leeway, could turn out as rotten as he had. As sneakily as a sneaky child could, the boy crept to the campfire at the heart of the ruins. He looked for evidence of his brother or sisters, who were probably not brave enough to go out and do this without a lot of gear and help. But he found none. No signs of anyone having walked there, on two good legs or one. But the small fire, crackling and sizzling, did throw one looming shadow that looked like it could be something. Brave as he was reckless, the boy crept forward. The shadow was too big to be his brother, and too thin to be a pile of stone. Deep inside, he began to regret his decision to come there. So confident he was that all his siblings were just as bad as he was. 
The smell of blood told him he was wrong. They were safe at home with his parents, as all good children should be. Come, boy, and sit by the fire. A voice croaked from the shadow. The boy froze, half from fear and half from the habit of disobeying elders. There's no use in running, the voice said. I can catch you even with this leg of mine. It was as if the shadow knew what was in the boy's mind. But being ever a contrarian, the boy spoke out. Man anta idhen, la a'rif. Who are you then? As if I didn't know. The mothers call me Aboriginal Maslucha, the voice offered, as he threw more fuel into the fire. It sizzled and grew that much brighter. The boy can see a man now, old, withered, skin dry like leather. Just the type of man that would use fear to get you to stay while they hobbled over to you and beat you with their cane. A weak leg was curled under him, even more wither than the rest of his body, and lo and behold, a long piece of wood no doubt serving as a cane by his side. This was no monster, but another lying adult looking to trick him into behaving. What are you? How did you come to this place? The boy asked circling the campfire, but being careful not to come too close to the old man and his cane. You know what they did to the criminals and scoundrels in these parts? The voice offered as more of a statement than question. How they tortured those that misbehaved? So they cut your skin off for poaching and now you snatch children up to take their skin? The boy asked. Why? What good can it do you? Little kid's legs aren't nearly big enough for you, you withered old tree. Do you stitch it together and make pants for yourself? Or are you just here hoping to scare me into coming closer so you could beat me with your stick? The boy forced the laugh to feel brave. It almost worked. The voice in the shadow took hold of the cane and lifted it up. And even though the boy was careful to stay out of range of a strike, he still instinctively backed up even more. But instead of striking out, the voice in the shadow threw the piece of wood into the fire, and it burst alive brighter than ever. That's when the boy saw that despite being deathly thin and stiff as leather, the body that belonged to the voice in the shadow was muscled and taut, all except for the left leg, which hung dead and bloody by its side. Abulijal Maslucha turned to face the boy and was almost in the fire now, the blood from his flayed legs sizzling and popping as it touched the flames. God is my witness, I have never stolen a hide or killed game that was not my own, said Abu Rijl Maslucha. I am no thief. I was only ever a storyteller. A liar, they called me, as they locked me away, forced to eat my own self to stay strong. He inched closer and the boy found that his legs were too frozen to run, even if his mind could tell them to do so. Aboriginal Maslucha loomed tall now over the boy. I am not what they say about me at all. I have no cares of how you misbehave, and I relish the freedom you have expressed in your young, childish ways. 
I've always been a proponent of free will, and now I just want to taste that freedom again. Abu Rijl Masluha licked his lips and grabbed hold of the boy, skinny knife ready, and the fire nice and hot. Maslucha by Fikri Hablawi. Read by Frank Hablawi and Iman Bedoui. Produced by Frank Hablawi. This has been a non productive media presentation. Executive producer Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.